0: Thanks so much for joining me today on the Cocktie Podcast. I'm your host, Gary. In case you're new to the show, I'm the editor and director of sponsorships here at Fortnerd.com. Mind you, Fortnerd has no sponsors, so I should probably look into firing myself. You may have seen me as the DM for Quest for the Cure or Iceholes, Rime of the Frostmaiden, as Cicero on Cyberpunk Independence, as Doc on Scribes and Scrolls, or Sailing on the S's failboat over a Talon and Claw. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to this show or follow us on social media at fortnerd.com. That's at fortnerd, D-O-T-C-O-M, or both. Both works for me, but whatever works for you is fine. The biggest news this week in the TTRPG space is related to Twitch. In case you haven't heard, BIPOC streamers, content creators, musicians, and all are getting hate-rated in coordinated attacks by bots and racists. They'll post hateful slogans in their chat. And it's hard to ban them all because there are hundreds. Sometimes Twitch needs to do better. Our friends shouldn't see hate and swastikas in their chat. If you think this is bullshit, tag Twitch on social media and ask them what they're going to do to protect their content creators. Cause this shit ain't right. We need to stand up for our friends because Twitch is not listening. A lot of creators are asking for their supporters to contribute to their Ko-Fi accounts instead of through Twitch to get their message across hit them where it hurts in their pocketbooks. Not only will Twitch get the message, but it's better for content creators too, because Ko-Fi takes a smaller proportion of the support than Twitch does. If you're considering resubscribing or dropping gift subs over the next month or two to your favorite content creators on Twitch, please consider asking your recipient if they prefer support in another format. I know they'd appreciate it. Today, my chat is with Keel Adam from Run, Write, Play. Kiel's an indie game designer, copywriter, publisher, and a whole host of other things that make him cool. He's a passionate advocate for reducing the stigma of mental health, and he's an all-around great guy. He's also the sponsor of our weekly Scribes and Scroll campaign on Mini Terrain Domain. I hope you enjoy my chat with Keel. Kiel, thanks so much for joining me on this what is an early morning for me and a, a balmy evening for you. How are you?
1: A wonderful evening. Thanks. Thanks, Gary. I am doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, yeah, we're exactly 12 hours apart. I'm I'm uh, half a day in the future c- compared to you.
0: <laughs> How's the stock market here in Canada? Because I'd really like to know because you're so far in the future. Can you give me any tips?
1: Look, listen in, listen in. I'm listening. Listen. Get your pencil ready. I'm ready, I'm ready. I hear IBM stock is about to go way up. <laughs> I don't know. Ah. <laughs> Feel betrayed, sell, sell, sell. I feel betrayed. Wait, how it works, I feel, ug- works? I
0: feel ugly, I feel just demoralized. <laughs> I, just, I can't. Thanks, thanks for chatting with me today, Kiel. I, I as you know, I always like to, to start off my interviews with a very similar question because I like to know we're all sort of in this tabletop RPG space and I like to know people's path because it's not always direct, sometimes it's winding, sometimes it's something other than winding or direct um so what was your first experience with tabletop role-playing games
1: so um first actual experience with with tabletop role-playing games was in my probably early teens one of my uh, one of my good friends at the time he was into it his parents actually got him into it and oh. um and we yeah, started playing um third 3.5 edition mm-hmm. of DD rules and then we dabbled in fourth edition and played around with fifth edition um and yeah played some like pathfinder world of darkness shadow run played around with a few different systems warhammer fantasy role play and things like that but um even as a precursor to that i've always been like enamored with um with fantasy stuff like from choose your own adventure books the fighting fantasy ones uh, early as a kid um to hero quest the board game and then the computer game on i think it was like amiga or something like that one of those really old school (laughs) computing systems um and then upgrading to like diablo 2 or diablo 1 2 and 3 and well three was later but um so that's kind of uh and a lot of like uh, roguelike computer games as well and um text-based uh role-playing games muds online and things like that so um i've always like had one foot or another in the rpg or rpg adjacent sort of sort of world so and then actually from when i was sort of uh mid-teens then i um sort of fell out of touch with that friend um who put me in put me onto it and um took about probably a good sort of 10 years away from the hobby completely um and you know spent many hours many late nights sort of downloading mobile games to try and like fill that you know, scratch that itch and I just didn't realize that that's what I was missing. And it was the social side, the community side, the like freeform creativity side that I didn't realize I was missing until I've, what, four years ago now, maybe found um, uh, Be a Better Game Master, Fistful of Dice, Tabletop Terrace, and um, then Absolute Tabletop and found the community around them and just got right back into it. And now, um, yeah, right back into the hobby, playing games, running games, writing games, loving it. Community
0: is really important, and that's something I'm really looking forward to talking to you about. I'm curious: Do you have? Uh, this is a two-part question. Uh, do you have any memories of your first? Because it sounds like you started with D and D, official true role-playing games, paper-based role-playing games. Do you have any memories of your first D and D game? Anything that sticks out? And when did you know that you were going to get hooked? Because you had a hiatus. What? What? What was the 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 thing that brought you back fully so from your hiatus or from before
1: mm. so first first question uh, what do i remember from like my first game on my first character in those very early days i remember yeah before we even um played around with fourth edition um i remember one of my uh third edition characters was like a dwarven monk of like some kind of death God <laughs> and we were doing, my friend was running us through, um oh, I can't remember which module it was, but it was like a death trap dungeon type thing. It might've been tomb of annihilation. I don't know. Maybe not. But um my character, we fought this Dracolish, um, this giant, you know, yeah. Skeletal dragon, Yeah. as you would know. And um my character lost his hand and, um, walked around the rest of the dungeon with his rotting hand uh, pinned around, like hung, hanging around his his neck, um, because he had this weird mentality that that brought him closer to his goal or something. I don't know. I, I think I went a bit off the rails there, as you as we can tend to do, you know, when we first like get into this hobby and we're like, really, I can do anything, anything. Um, so that was that was something funny that sticks out. Um, and another quick one actually was, I and that's the thing I got. I did get like hooked. I was way into it, you know. Um, I, it, it was, it just fit, you know. Every uh, scratched every itch that I had, pretty much. Um, and uh, so I started uh, running some games. I ran like a one-on-one. I tried running a one-on-one game for one of my brothers um, before he was into the hobby at all. He is now as well. But um, I just tried to run like a little freeform thing, uh, and he ended up lying down in a burning building and. <laughs> I don't know, something something strange. He just didn't know what was going on. He was just, uh, uh, yeah, having having some fun with it. So that's another random memory from the early days. But um, uh, yeah, lying, very lying. fun lying. to see how far I've come. Like enjoying yeah. the story a lot more and um, playing with that same brother now and he gets into the story <laughs> and he's role-playing his characters. And um, yeah. I don't know if if him lying down
0: in a burning building <laughs> is an indictment on your GMing or his playing. <laughs> Or, or sort of a combination of both but there's something maybe there
1: that, yeah I know well maybe, maybe maybe that was part of the catalyst that led to my 10-year hiatus you know <laughs> With some, uh... yeah it's definitely
0: uh, it's definitely not a discussion for a podcast so it's more for a therapist so we'll uh, we'll talk about the importance of mental health at some point but definitely Absolutely. we should check in on that <laughs> when did you know that you wanted to design tabletop rpgs Obviously, I'm assuming it was from the, in the last few years that you developed uh, the desire to do this. Was there a catalyst? Was there something that you said, oh, I can do this?
1: Mm. So yeah, there's a few, few parts to that. Um, I've recently, in recent years, had the realization that I've always had that, that desire and that like drive and that natural um, inclination to. sort of do game design like Mm -hmm. thinking back now in recent years now that i've sort of realized that that's what i want to do and i've started doing it um like in earnest um thinking back you know i was always coming up with my own characters and levels for um even computer games like sonic and super smash brothers but also constantly making my own board games and writing my own choose your own adventure books and things like this is when i was quite a lot younger um and then yeah all through my life as i look back i realized that i've always done game design um in in some capacity i've always had all these scribbles and notebooks full of stuff but you know board games card games as well um and never really thought about that being a potential valid creative outlet or something that i could finish things and share them with people and have people play test them and buy them and it's just incredible that that's you know where i'm the part that i'm starting down now and i'm so exciting um, but yeah, in recent years, around that same time when I sort of found the hobby again um, through Absolute Tabletop and, and the guys there um, and their their individual channels on YouTube, um, a big part of it was Matt Click. Um, I remember one of the, you know, if we're talking sort of turning points here, mm-hmm. things that stick out in my mind, it's like Matt Click. Um, has a game and he's been refining it and releasing updated versions recently actually called hyperspace D6. It's like his own um, heavily modified the West end game, star Wars uh, system Um, that that was like what he grew up playing. And it's like a D6 dice pool system. And anyway, he's made his own version of that. But the first version he released of that, he was publishing it, you know, quote unquote, and releasing it just by literally sharing the link to a Google doc. It was like a nicely laid out Google Doc and, and everything. And, and he's now releasing it as like PDF versions. But that for me was like, a this is so accessible to me. Like I have I have all these ideas, you know, I just need to refine them a bit. And then I can start sharing stuff. And um, I think it was sometime last year. Uh, actually, no, it might have even been 2019 um, when I sort of did a similar thing, you know, spurred on by that. I shared. You know, published quote unquote just by sharing a Google Doc around my first little two or three page Google Doc supplement called banners. Um, uh, a little like character supplement for uh, a way for players to have a bit more um, say in um, uh, In in the game (laughs) i should open it up and remember the tagline because i clearly haven't looked at it for a while (laughs) but anyway in terms of what what inspired me and what um what sort of drew me back in and and gave me that realization that not only do i want to do this and feel like i can do it behind the scenes that's what kind of gave me the confidence and that first little nudge to um to start you know putting it out there
0: i mean you're like i i i can make a google doc
1: yeah, exactly. Like, I have hundreds of them. <laughs> like, <laughs> let me just polish one up and share it. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. When did you... I'd be... Sorry, I feel I'd be remiss to just not mention as well um, that the the YouTube channel, Tabletop Terrors, the guys there, Tim, James and Jeff, a lot of their videos, they've got a lot of content about like um, creativity and sort of um, the creative process. And they share some of their own creative process and talk about their own experiences in sort of, you know self-publishing and and that kind of thing and a lot of their content like i've re-listened to several of their videos mm-hmm. like dozens of times um a lot of that really helped me a lot so i definitely recommend that if someone's in a similar boat to where i was a year or two ago oh
0: that's a that's a cool link i'm not familiar with them so we'll definitely definitely put a link to their youtube channel in the show notes Community, as I mentioned, is something that's really important to you, and you're building one sort of wherever you go. Uh, you stream weekly with Dwight, uh, the big bearded nerd, on International House of Minis. Uh, you have a Discord server where you're talking about DTRPGs. You're, you're building a community on your Patreon. Why do you think that the tabletop RPG community attracts, or sorry, the tabletop RPG space? Attracts such a tight knit community, and why is community so important to you?
1: As to why the the hobby or the you know the TTRPG space attracts community, I think it inherently is about community, right? Like it's at its core a social thing, um, and like you, there's solo RPGs these days, and there probably has been. Excuse me. Well, there has been for decades, but. Um, even with that, you know, there's a there's a community found in sharing your experiences that you had with that game, you know, geeking out with someone else who's who's played the same game and had a completely different experience by playing a different character or whatever it might be. But then when we sit down at a table together or, you know, do it virtually these days, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we're having those shared experiences. And I can't remember exact quote word for word, but there's um, something that's sort of, you know, <laughs> The paraphrasing clearly resonated with me was um, that basically the experiences that we have um, with each other with the fellow players and the GM around the table when we're playing a TTRPG session like they are stored and 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 um, formed like in our mind um, as if we actually ourselves experience those things so um, and you'll notice it with the language that we that we use when we're talking um, with our friends you know, afterwards when we're reminiscing on an awesome session or something is often the language is, remember when we did this, you know, it's not so much our characters did it, although obviously it was, but there's, there's just that like excitement and that buzz about adventuring together, you know, doing stuff together um, and just inherently in a very sort of creative way because um, it's, it's all, there's vulnerability like involved in it as well, you know, so there's a, a level of trust that that's needed there and confidence. And if you don't have it, then you've got your group dynamics and uh, that can sort of, you know, it can be a safe space to help build confidence and help build trust and creativity and everything. It's just, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, we've talked on this show about the power of RPGs in the past and, and how you can work through your own mental health challenges or uh, other issues that you're working on through yourself that you can help explore in, in the tabletop RPG space, not just D and D, but whatever you're playing is stepping into the, stepping into the shoes of a character, even if it's yourself can be Hmm. cathartic in a lot of ways.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I've um, yeah. In the sort of five years or so that I've been back and, and playing, um, some of my core groups of, of friends that I play with, um, where I'd play almost exclusively online as well. Um, yeah, like getting into pretty role-play heavy um, campaigns, even one shots, um, like a big part of what I get out of the hobby is the character moments, character development and like interpersonal relationship stuff. Um, so yeah, I love, I love that.
0: Um, I think no interview of you would be complete without talking about collaboration, because you've talked about uh, some of the influences that you've had in developing your your uh, your work. And one of your Keystone projects, which is Run Right Play, the collaborative zine for indie creators and players, is a lot of collaboration. You're working with other people to get input on that and to develop their story through through your zine. Where did the idea for this product come from? And how do you select your collaborators? What's the, what's the process there?
1: Hmm. That's a great question. Where did the idea for the magazine come from? It's sort of, it's, so it's tied to um, run, Right play as my sort of, you know, creative brand Mm -hmm. um, was only actually, it's not, it's, it's not quite a year old yet. It'll be a a year old in September. Um, So it was September, 2020 when I sort of launched it. And that was like, Just sort of starting to put content up on my YouTube channel and um, and just uh, setting up a little little Patreon and coming up with like a monthly cycle for content and for what was that the four months um, that I had that in place last year Mm -hmm. um, from the start it's been the focus has been um, collaboration you know and community um, and fun (laughs) so um, even from last year um, making. collaborating with my patrons um, was a big part of where it started, basically doing things like little world building kits um, and this little, little PDF products that, um, that I would put up on drive through RPG. Um, and I'm still doing that. The types of game monthly games that, that we're creating um, and collaborating um, with my collab crew, um, my, <laughs> my, my collab crew tier patrons. Um, they're sort of, they've sort of evolved now and we're getting physical um, games printed and um very soon to be stocked in some local game stores um where i live so it's all very exciting and happening very fast but um it was january this year 2021 when the first issue of the magazine um it's a month there's a monthly issue for the first half of this year where that sort of started Um, Mm -hmm. and i think it was actually an idea that i sort of had um as like a pipe dream basically and sort of was talking about it partly jokingly with my wife uh who's who's an artist and um and she actually surprised me one day I was at, at my day job and I got a message from her and I opened it up and it was like this mock-up this stunning mock-up of like a magazine cover and I was like well <laughs> we've got to do this now you know it said run right play it had this awesome image and like some headlines you know um get involved, join the collaboration. And I was just like, we've got to make that happen. So we actually together in the, in the last two weeks of December, 2020, we whipped up the first issue, which was 16 pages, uh, including the cover, I think, <laughs> um, and released that um, the start of January. And then we've been working on a, a monthly issue since then um, with my wife doing the layout, um, me sort of doing the overall editing, uh, both of us contributing writing to it and then um, core contributors come from um tend to come from my my patrons because they're my most fervent supporters and collaborators really but I'm, i also reach out to um to other creators as well um to just uh yeah like give a platform for for indie creators um, no matter what they do you know i um, just celebrating what everyone does me getting a chance to sort of learn about what they do um and yeah, we got awesome stuff. We get contributions of like writing from poems, um, from short stories, little bits of game design. We've got like some little micro world building kits in there and um, lots of art as well. And um, yeah, it's great. Every issue, I'm just, when I look back on them, I'm just I'm so proud of of how they came together. And it's all thanks to the awesome content um, contributed by all the collaborators. So I love
0: that this was a pie in the sky idea you had. It's like, oh yeah, we should do this. That probably would have gone nowhere if your wife totally didn't backdoor you and do that cover. It was like, oh no, well we're doing this now, so let's let's get her done.
1: That is a hundred percent true. Yeah, it is all thanks to my wife yeah. <laughs> um, having that having that little hyper focus afternoon and and uh, putting together that that mock up bringing the vision to life as it were yeah
0: you talked about and i know it's in some of the in some of the issues you have a a creator spotlight and talking to to some creators about their process and what they do and and what they make when you're working with a creator to spotlight their work in your zine um what are you looking for like are you are you really looking into their creative process are you looking to talk about what they make, um, how they started? Is it some combination, or is it something else?
1: Yeah, it's a combination of 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 that, all that kind of stuff. Um, what I've really been interested in, and a lot of the stuff that I ask them about, yeah, it's kind of their creative roots. Is is sort of one of the questions that I always ask them about. Um, what they do now, um, what inspires them? Yeah, their creative process. Um, and yeah, like I've had um in terms of it's basically just, yeah, people that inspire me and particularly um, you know, in independent creators of of any kind who um I love what they do and who, you know, frankly, a lot of them I think um need more sort of recognition and a bit more like publicity. Um and not that the not that the Run Right Play magazine has a particularly uh huge um reader base, at least not yet but even still it's um it's an it's an awesome like product and an awesome thing to to do together and um i mean that's that's something that i i guess partly it's also something that i um would love you know to if I wasn't involved in it it's something that as a as an indie creator something that I'd love to be contacted about or had that chance you know even um to be able to apply to um to put something in there you know so that's part of what I've wanted to do: give myself and others a platform to to do that stuff. So, um, I mentioned before that it's it was a, it's been a monthly monthly issue, and for the first half of this year, that's been correct. So, for the first sort of six issues, um, but moving on from there, moving it to a a, qu- a larger issue, but quarterly instead. Yeah. Um, and in those, I'm going to have um, like feature featured creators um, rather than sort of one in the spotlight. Just going to um, feature a whole bunch of creators in every issue Um, and I've got some awesome creators lined up for the for the 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 Q3 issue um, for 2021 um, including some awesome some awesome artists uh, Yes, very excited to, to uh, start tweeting about that shortly.
0: He says, he says, Cagely, awesome artists who I'm not going to name on your podcast.
1: <laughs> I will, I will drop two names. Um, okay. We're going to have have a feature on uh, Tina Terranova, um, who's an awesome uh, g- uh, comic comic book artist, a graphic novel artist, um, and Alexander Kostic, uh, who's done a lot of the art in a lot of the um rpg products published by absolute tabletop so i'm really excited to um feature their stuff and and about them
0: got it okay so i want to ask a more direct question about run right play what what are you hoping to accomplish with the magazine specifically not the brand as a whole because that's that we've We don't have that kind of time. But um, what are you hoping to accomplish with the magazine? Like, what's your most important goal for Run Right Play, the magazine? Hmm.
1: Probably to sit down and have a good business plan for my magazine. (laughs) No. Um, So that I could answer this question off the top of my head. Um, I mean, peeling peeling that onion, right? Like it started as a pie in the sky idea and sort of um, got its feet uh out in front and um and it's sort of built up its own momentum and it's been going now um what i would like from it so um is for it to be um changing it to a quarterly issue and being a larger one Um, that's sort of, I want it to be a staple basically of, of run right play, right? Like I'm doing freelance, um, stuff. I'm doing the game design and everything else with the, with the Patreon and the magazine. I want that to be, um, a staple thing. I would love for it to, um, be distributed in a a bit more widely, I suppose, um, digitally. because at the moment um, my patrons obviously get a copy of every issue um, and I have them available on drive through RPG, but sort of um, making them, they're also, you can buy physical copies through runrightplay.com as well. But I suppose just taking a step back, this is a really good prompt for me to say, "Hmm, they are a very important part of what I'm doing and I really enjoy doing them. Um, And a lot of people really enjoy reading them. You know, there's partly a bit of a vanity project, obviously, for some Mm -hmm. of the, um, for. For myself and for some of the people involved um but it's not an empty vanity thing right it's it is still legitimately um getting out there and yeah that's a very rambling uh unsatisfying answer
0: <laughs> i'm not wholly unsatisfied if i'm being honest <laughs> i mean in the end the 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 cool thing about pro collaborative projects is that you work with other people and you connect with their with their fans and then maybe they like what you're doing and then maybe they become a collaborator and and so on and so forth it's just it seems like a nice way to to get what you're doing out there and uh, in a comprehensive way
1: mm. no really thank you for that question it's really actually prompted um, a bit of uh, perspective there and re uh, reviewing sort of what what I want what I want it to be. And I think sort of thinking aloud now, um, I think what I would so okay, so let's let's quantify the, the question a bit more like, what do I want the magazine to be this time next year, right? I think I would love for it to have released an issue every quarter, obviously. Um, and I think by this time next year, I'd love for obviously to have um, maybe a, a wider collaboration base, but also maybe to play around with the way collaboration happens a bit more and let some more of the collaborators um probably some of my uh, more um, fervent patrons (laughs) um involved a bit more in the process itself rather than just um tidbits of content well excellent content contributions but still i think not by way of uh, intentionally gatekeeping or mystifying the process or anything but um i haven't yet i've let oh yeah my wife and I sort of work on it behind the scenes I think I'd like for it to be a bit more worked on out in the open and for some of the under the hood stuff as to how the mag is how each issue gets put together um, involve more collaborators in that process to make it less of a monolithic task for myself and my wife right but also you know it then becomes greater than the sum of its parts this is is the beauty in collaboration as a whole right
0: yeah, this is this might be the first interview for my podcast that I've ever done where I didn't need to be here. You're 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 clarifying my questions. It's like, do you have any other questions for yourself that you'd like to ask? Because if so, that's, that's great. Um, what should I have for dinner tomorrow? No? Nobody wants nobody cares what you're having for dinner tomorrow, Kayla, I promise you. Um, except maybe your wife, if you're cooking or not, that might determine. Um, but no, that's great. And You know, the collaborative projects and sort of figuring out and having that plan is, is, is not, is, because the thing that I find with our RPG space is that people get into it from various different backgrounds, and they may not all have the, a business background or a project management background or whatever. They just all share this love of tabletop RPGs and everybody's sort of coming at it uh, from a different way. So, you know, clarifying and, and figuring out what your goal is, is, is such a, it's such a helpful thing to do.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And I, you know, I, from my day job, I do have, you know, some project management experience and um, a little bit of business experience, but I'm winging it, you know, like, as most you, of us are. So. You and me both, buddy. <laughs> yeah, that's it.
0: Now, I led, I led with the fact that you're an RPG designer, so I don't want to forget talking about that now you published a number of games on drive rpg and elsewhere where do you get your inspiration from when you're designing the game and, and like what's the game design process how does that start for you
1: it's actually really interesting it can start um a number of different ways i mean first off my brain never really quite switches off does <laughs> game design mode um um, like, for example, as a brief aside, I've been um, playing um, on my friend Yaldim, uh Lloyd Collins, on his Twitch channel. We've been playing uh, on Virtual Tabletop War Chest. Um, it's uh, this sort of abstract war game with like poker chips that you have that represent different army units, etc. Anyway, I found myself at work today on my... well on my lunch break, <laughs> um, I had to keep stopping myself, realizing I was designing in my head um, and set myself back to work. But um, throughout the the day, I scribbled down some, um, you know, some designs for some new units for that game, you know, homebrew rules, like, and that's just kind of, that's me in a nutshell, like <laughs> um, some of my oldest friends will, uh, can attest to that, that I'm always, I've always been doing that kind of thing. Um, Please remind me what the question was.
0: <laughs> the question was, where do you get your inspiration, and how does the game design process start for you?
1: There we go. So thank you. Uh, so it, I guess, yeah, it it never really stops. I guess is the sort of cop out answer. But in terms of when I, um, and I mean that's not not really a cop out answer. That's kind of kind of where it starts. Like my my mind, the back burner of my mind is always. Um, is always working away and I just um keep in the the cloud notes app on my phone um any random ideas that I that I get I've got like a game design scratch notes folder um and um I sort of you know they could just be um the random name for a game like one of them um uh you know just a couple of combinations of words or it could be Um, like a tagline for what a game might be random mechanic or anything like that. So it's kind of like these snippets, disparate um, chunks that I um, record down and then um, occasionally my brain like makes some connections between a couple of them and it it sort of builds from there. But that, you know, that's uh, what I've realized in recent years. That's what my brain's always done my whole life. The missing piece was you know, in the last 12 months when I set up my Patreon and have this commitment, this monthly cycle to create a game, you know, um, where I actually, all right, because if you have a mil- I have a million ideas, <laughs> but it's about stopping, like, plucking out a couple and working them until it's sort of um, something that's, you know, ready to start playtesting and share with people. So for, like, my my short-form games, the the monthly stuff that I release through Patreon, Um, that's often how it starts. Um, But sometimes like um, one of our games Wandering the Wild um, is what's that it's a uh, an an epic little game about um, wizards, gems and monsters or something like that. It's like this two-player physical game where you kind of sit opposite each other like battleships and it's like you place these gems around on a little fantasy map and then you guard them with monsters and then you flip a coin to see if it's day or night and then just guess where the other person's gems are. It's this really fun little game. Um, But that one actually um, was created from like the visual perspective and my wife Emma actually sort of put together all the the visuals for that first and was like I don't know how this game works but here's like some cool little monsters and I've got this map and and then together we sort of figured out how the game works you know so sometimes it's you know a bit backwards in that sense some people would think um well yeah
0: honestly i I just came up with a concept of a game myself while we were talking
1: and
0: just based on a title so I don't know what the game's gonna be, but I, I I know what it's gonna be about.
1: Ooh, will you will you share? Or you keep I, that close no, to your chest I'm for keeping now? Keeping that close
0: to my chest that's, for now that's until cool. I have something uh, there's something only a 90% chance I'd
1: steal it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's I, I
0: I I don't necessarily think it's up your alley. It's more of a uh like a a, bo- a card game than an RPG, but you could still oh, steal I'm it. Into rep, that. Bastard.
1: yeah yeah, exactly I could yeah no Um, no that's um no that's a good good call because yeah I'm doing a lot of like card games and mini board games type stuff uh for the monthly games at the moment
0: and this is a mini card game so Uh, now keep me posted
1: (laughs) I will I'm really excited to hear about it definitely
0: (laughs) um I, I I can't I can't tell you what spurred the idea why it spoke to me but a friend of mine is a graphic designer her name is Erin she does all of our graphic design for Uh, quest for the cure and she did my website for fort nerd and all of that stuff and she's like we need to when exploding kittens came out she said we can design a board game why can't we do something like that and maybe we can so we'll keep you updated on the progress
1: hell yeah please do Oops, I don't know if I can say that word. Heck oh, yeah!
0: Oh, a hundred percent. So I already dropped the f bomb, so I'll put the explicit tag on it. Generally, we don't, but sometimes mm-hmm. there, you sometimes you just have to drop the f bomb, and that's just how. So it is. I mean,
1: I'm Australian, so you don't got to tell me twice. And but now, now, now that now that it's been dropped, can I can I go nuts? No, no, One, no.
0: One hundred percent, you can go completely wild. Oh, okay. Um, I'll try
1: not to uh, be too overindulgent with it. uh,
0: You try not to speak Australian?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you you,
0: you speak English, but you you have a particular brand of English that's unique to Australia. Exactly. One of the things that I find really intriguing about about what you're doing is uh, your publication of system agnostic one-shot kits. It, it doesn't include game rules because it can apply to any system. It's like world building prompts and character concepts and and tips for prepping the the session. You've done a cyberpunks one, a vault heist one, all all of which can be dropped in in any system. where Where, where did you develop this concept and and how do the one shot kits work exactly?
1: So I that's another great question because I think partly, um because those ones are like a trifold pamphlet format Uh, Mm -hmm. they're like a printed print and fold at home type thing um and i might get some some professional ones done to stock on the on the website at some point but anyway um i think in terms of you know doing things backwards i think partly the idea was was the form you know was the the pamphlet style thing um and again it was it was from the i want it to be you know and these are free supplements or maybe pay what you want uh actually sorry i think those ones are a couple are a, are a dollar or two each because i spent so long they were like my first layout work so i spent so many hours i was like i gotta charge something <laughs> got it but um but yeah it was like i want it to be um people can print it at home fold it and play it and it's like this um simple little thing so that was that was part of it and as you know the thing about design is right is that you have a brief you got to work to a brief whether you're doing graphic design interior design game design whatever it might be Um, you know a lot of my game design I set my own brief you know and it's fluid it changes as we go but that's often where I'll start you know circling back a little bit to one of the previous questions there like kind of the brief for some of these was um, I want it to be like a trifold pamphlet print at home thing so whatever I make has to fit the content has to fit within there um, I want it to be system agnostic because purely that decision was um, I mean a it's I, it, it, <laughs> I don't have the word space I don't have the the real estate on the page to like um, have you know if with the OGL if it was going to be a 5e thing let alone any you know rules so that was that was one thing keep it simple um, but also just making it flexible you know um, just a inspirational sort of tools and products is is kind of big part of the philosophy of stuff that I want to excuse me stuff that I want to make <laughs> I'm an animal um and so yeah and with the cyberpunks one and the the vault heist one um yeah with the vault heist one that's got like this funky little I don't know if you could really call it a blueprint map um, but I mean, that's what it's meant to be. I actually, side note, I want to, when I make some time, I would love to go back and sort of revisit and do like an updated version, like a version 1.1 or a version 2.0 or whatever of those and sort of spruce them up and make them look a bit nicer. And um, yeah, there's lots of lessons learned there. I can fit a lot more text on than I thought as well. So, <laughs> um, But yes, that's um, that was really it in terms of, system agnostics so that they're just as flexible as possible and ideally as as reusable as possible, even you know. Um, a GM who um, might. Um, do run games at a at a hobby store or something like that, for example, um, something that they can they can just run um, again and again, um, you know, for different groups and it still be interesting and different every time and. Um, yeah, that was the idea
0: okay. I know that you're working on something that's relatively new uh, momentum quest. What, what is that? And why is it important to you?
1: Yes, that one is, um, I think I've only shared about that one so far on TikTok because it's, um, you know, we, we touched briefly on mental health earlier. Um, I was, Recently, uh, within the last couple of months now, that's that's one of the symptoms, time blindness. I have no, no idea no concept of time. Um, I was, um, shall we say, informally diagnosed with uh, ADHD. So um, I've had, uh, I've, uh, you know, struggled with depression and anxiety um, to varying degrees over the years, um, sometimes severely, sometimes, you know, much more manageably. Um, uh, and my doctor recently, you um, sort of became convinced that i would most likely have undiagnosed ADHD um, which is for those who don't know uh, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder which as I'm learning a lot more about it in the last couple of months it's not really that I yeah that's a very misleading name shall we say Um, but this is all relevant I'm I'm, I'm going somewhere with this (laughs) trust me because I've thought this through okay okay (laughs) Um, and so part of that like that sort of you know informal diagnosis from my doctor was because I've been struggling a lot especially at my day job in focusing um, getting motivated like simple simple tasks I mean my life in general but it's been really um, acute shall we say um, at my day job it's an office job and um, like yeah really struggling to just function basically so um, you know something was wrong And that's what he um, thinks it was and so um i have uh later this year i have a formal assessment to sort of see if it is that or something else but either way in the meantime i've been researching a bit about adhd and just learning um and, and a lot of a lot of what people with adhd talk about um how it affects them things that help for them a lot of that really resonates with me and this is where, you know, my never switches off game design brain sort of has been working away uh, sometimes in the background, often in the foreground to sort of come up with like systems and tools and um, novel things to um, to help me sort of um, function, basically, like um, part so momentum quest is more or less a way to sort of gamify executive dysfunction um and it's sort of the concept started just as like a momentum tracker um and that i think is all i've shared about it so far on TikTok in in the form of like a momentum tracker but behind the scenes i've been um sort of developing developing this concept of the momentum quest um where basically what is it it's literally a way of i don't have my deck of cards here but i've actually oh i had some of them. i literally went down to a stationery store and got these like um flash cards I have a couple of different colors and i've been using them i just drew on a bunch of the green ones big green stars and one of them is like one momentum and it's literally it's like tricking my brain right giving it dopamine by going all right i emptied the dishwasher that's worth three momentum and i just make myself a little pie all right and then and I, was, I sort of shared that on, on TikTok. Uh, there's a there's a really big ADHD community on TikTok. And um, some of the comments were like, that's cool and all, but what do you do with the momentum? And I was like, well, you could like use it to buy yourself real life rewards. Like, you know, buy you know, when you have a certain amount of momentum, you can get yourself an ice cream or whatever, however you want to do it. And then I was like, I'm sort of developing this for myself anyway, but... I want to develop it with one part of the back of my mind for eventually being able to, and hopefully sooner rather than later, really, um, being able to sort of share it with other people in a way that they can make it their own. So at the moment, I'm focusing on developing it and seeing how it works for me. Um, And the path that's led me down is moving it from just sort of this loose momentum tracker to momentum quest, with I've just always lived with sort of one foot in, in a fantasy <laughs> world. And basically the idea with that is that it's kind of like, I guess it's it's a little bit like NeverEnding Story where there's like this other world, this fictional character in this fictional world happening. And like me as Keel in real life, collecting momentum by doing real world tasks. Um, which includes like fun stuff it's not just like got to do your chores to get your momentum the whole idea is like how much do you I have to psych myself up to change the the cat litter that means I get a shitload of momentum for doing the cat litter you know what I mean and Mm -hmm. part of it will be structure as well in the sense that I know that I can't just Go and do the cat litter. I have to build up momentum and psych myself up to do it. So simple things like crank some tunes to like start getting myself like pumped. You know, that's one momentum. Like um, skull some water. Like there's another momentum, and you know, do some some fun stuff. And I mean, I could go I could go on and on. But um, part of the what I'm learning about the ADHD brain is that it's not motivated. And I say this not as an other thing, but (laughs) referring to my own brain as well, because I am also convinced um, alongside my doctor that I have it uh, just quietly. But um, there's another symptom creeping up. I completely went blank about where I was going. (laughs) This is a glorious mess. (laughs) Um, Anyway, that's, that's, that's the momentum quest. All right. Well, that sounds
0: delightful. I look forward to hearing more about uh more about the rewards cuz I mean, giving yourself momentum is great, but if you're not getting something for it, why does anybody want it?
1: Exactly. And um so yes, I'll I'll just say one last. I mentioned Hero Quest earlier, right? Mm-hmm. So, part of what I've been playing around with for for the Momentum Quest for Kiel in the early stages of development of the of the game of the product. Is I've literally just, um, I don't have a copy of Hero Quest, the board game myself, so, but I went online and sort of looked at what the equipment cards were and the different artifact weapons and armor and stuff. And I've literally made myself like a little um, shop list, like, you know, a dagger costs 50 gold in Hero Quest, a short sword costs 150. And I'm literally just making that, you know, gold equals momentum. So, you know, I'm starting to play around in that kind of space yep. where like, me living my life every day i'm controlling this fictional character into you know it's it's still quite nebulous but um that's the sort of direction i'm taking it and so um yeah watch this space. I'll awesome. announce more about that as it develops.
0: Awesome. That sounds great. Well, Kil, thanks so much for chatting with me today. I really appreciate it. I look forward to hearing more about Momentum Quest, and, and I think I might pick up Wandering Wizards. Wandering Wild? Wandering Wild?
1: Wandering the Wild. Wandering the a Wild for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thanks and, so much for having me, Gary. This is a blast, mate.
0: Have you subscribed yet? If not, why not? It's free. I mean, you listen to this whole thing. It's always good having you join me, and remember, if the die is cocked, it doesn't count. I look forward to chatting with you again next week.